Welcome to Ohio State Michigan Week. It's Doug Lamarys. It's Bill Landis. We're doing a late night launch of the game, Landis. You got a beverage? I do have a beverage. I've got a. It's in my glass here. It's a little spotted cow uh, from. It's the pride of Wisconsin. Nice. And I got. I got a. I got a bonus one here too, just in case I run. Look at you. One runs out. Always yeah. prepared. That's right. So we are doing this to set everybody up for what I believe may be the most anticipated Ohio State Michigan game ever. And that's where we want to start. We welcome everybody in. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're joining us here live on YouTube at 10 p.m., uh, someone's saying, Are we echoey? We get an e- is echoey? Anybody here an echoey? Michael, check it. Michael, check it. Thank you for the heads up, Daniel. Um, if you're here live with us on YouTube, thanks for being here. If you're listening back on YouTube, if you're listening back on the podcast, we really appreciate it. Landis, I covered the 2006 Ohio State-Michigan game, one versus two. Bo Beckler passes away that week. I never thought we would see a game like that again. This is not going to be one versus two because Georgia did win on Saturday in convincing fashion. But could this be perhaps even more more of a buildup, more hype, more hate than what we saw in that one-two game? What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wasn't around for that game, so I, I, I'm – making some assumptions, I suppose. I've watched the documentary. I I, I, I think I have a, a general idea of what that game is like. This is, I think, going to be ratcheted up. Um, on the field, in the stands, any anywhere around that stadium, I think is, it's going to be pretty spicy. So, um, And that's not even really about the gameplay. That's just about like the vibes from everyone walking into that building for that noon kickoff and the animosity that has been brewing between these two sides, um, not only because of Michigan's winning streak, but because of what's happened here over the last month with the NCAA and Big Ten stuff. So I don't think they hated each other as much back in 06. And I don't I don't want to make uh, light of the fact that how intense that was back then. And, and perhaps this is coming from the Ohio State side of things. Because in 2006, Ohio State is number one in the preseason. Ohio State is number one all year. And that game feels like a culmination in a lot of ways that Ohio state is supposed to win. And Troy Smith is supposed to win the Heisman. And both of those things happened, but the tide had already turned in that series at that point, that Troy Smith had come on the scene. And when Troy Smith beats Michigan in 06, it's his third win as a starting quarterback at Ohio state tying tippy die. Right. So like that's maybe from a Michigan perspective, they would think, Oh man, there was more anticipation. Cause I think there's more anticipation when you're, when you're not winning, right. When, you're, when the rivalry is flipped on you, then like the hate the we have to have this, I think builds up more. So I think maybe from the Ohio state perspective, Bill, that's why I think even though this is going to be two versus three, not one versus two, there's the hate factor, but hold off on the hate just mm. for a second. If ever, anyone out there who has hate in their heart, keep it. We'll use it later. But how do you think that matters more that Ohio state's not trying to maintain something they're trying to get something back this time well i i do agree with that but i I guess like i'll I'll defer to you and this is someone who's covered the rivalry longer than i have like michigan has been that was in a position for like a decade that you did you feel that for them as well or does it feel different for ohio state uh and in reference to what what do you mean like when when michigan in reference and trying to get something back yeah yeah so i don't know like i would think that like maybe it was super like maybe michigan would say well 16 was super anticipated because they thought they had a veteran team this was their chance they wind up losing in double overtime like hey they thought that was their year maybe they thought 18 or 19 right the revenge tour all that stuff maybe they thought that was it but i 
I don't think this rivalry is flipped. Do you think this rivalry is flipped or has Michigan come back to even and happens to have won the last two games? I would say it's more of, of that than I, than I would say it has been flipped on its head. Yeah. So then in that way, I think by 06, we were kind of off and running on Ohio State has flipped it back, right? 210 and one over Coop. Now here comes Jim Tressel. He's going to go nine and one. Urban Meyer is going to go seven and zero. We're 06, we're kind of already into that. And as much as all of that happened, this feels like we're back to even. And we have not been like this. Now we have to give credit to Earl. Earl Bruce, five and four in the rivalry. Like Earl was there with Bo, right? But really, and I want to talk about it a little bit later, I think we're in the new version of the 10-year war. Five, four, and one of the 10-year war. They're they're in the top five all the time. One of the teams is undefeated all the time. And we're back to that. I think we're back to the point where you feel like it like in 06, Michigan was trying to climb back up to Ohio State's level. I feel like now. They're more like on the same level, right? And then you can punch each other right in the face. Nobody's is Ohio State punching up next Saturday. Are they punching up at Michigan, or are they punch? Are they both punching from the uh, playing field? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Ohio State's punching up. That would be interesting to get the national perspective on that, I suppose, because because I think maybe you'd get some people who don't live this every day who who might think that a two-game winning streak for Michigan is enough to say that Ohio State is punching up. And no, I I, I see them as much more on uneven footing um, and i'm sure there are people saying yeah well how did michigan get uneven footing like well i guess we'll, we'll talk about that right but um just looking at the two teams for the talent that they ha- talent that they have um i think this is more of a fair fight than it has been at least in, you know i've been covering it since 2014 i think in, in that time this is the first time it's been a fair fight for sustained years i also feel like and maybe i'm wrong on this I feel like in 06, even though they were one versus two, you still kind of felt like Ohio State was the better team, mm-hmm. right? You still looked at Troy Smith and Ted Ginn Jr. and everything Ohio State had, and you still, I think, thought Ohio State was better. So I would say even playing field, this is more of an even playing field than 06. I'll, I'll subscribe to that theory first. And then the second thing is I do think the, the hate, the emotion of this, the emotion, the hatred, the anger from Ohio State, again, heading out because of the cheating scandal. And then and then Michigan also, that's the thing. There's double hate here because mm-hmm. before Harbaugh got suspended, I think it was one-way hate. Ohio State fans are saying, we hate you. You cheated to beat us. But Michigan was like, hey, man, I don't know. What are you talking about? Now, Michigan fans think that Jim Harbaugh has been unfairly suspended. So now they hate as well. And I do think hate is a stronger emotion than sadness. I think this sign-stealing Harbaugh suspension trumps the passing of Bo Schembechler when it comes to the outside emotion of the game. Well, it's not its not merely that Michigan fans are angry that Jim Harbaugh is suspended. There's enough Michigan media telling them that it was Ohio State that started all of this that ratchets up that hate tenfold, I think. I don't think you would have gotten in a fight in the press box in 06. I think you might get in a fight in the press box on Saturday. <laughs> I'm not looking for a fight in the press box. Like, the fight I, might find you. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. And and I'm exactly the kind of guy in the fight. I'm going to be the guy standing behind you, leaning out from the side, being like, yeah, say that to Landis again. <laughs> say it to Landis again. I dare you. So that's what we're going to be doing yeah. on Saturday. But I think I just – I have to say on behalf of all Ohio State fans, listen, you guys – watching and listening to this, have lived this 
5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. We understand that. It's a it's part of the fabric of your life, right? But as someone who came to this in 2005 and went through a stretch where it felt like the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry wasn't special other than the tradition, other than being told that it's special, I think everybody here, and again, thanks for joining us, appreciates and understands that like it is it's so back landis like i almost can't believe how good this game is going to be on saturday and what kind of anticipation there i i almost can't having lived through rich rodriguez Mm -hmm. i almost can't believe it because i honestly wondered for a time if it would ever come back like this no so so did i i think after after the 2018 game the 2018 game was like just so lopsided. Michigan didn't look like it belonged on the field with Ohio State. And then Ohio State went up there in 19. And I think Michigan was a little better and like it was a little tighter and it was in Ann Arbor. And you think and it was kind of close at, at halftime. Um, and then Ohio State pulled away and won that one. And then I, I I think we left, or at least I left feeling like that game feeling like I don't know when it's ever going to flip. And then like looking ahead to 2020, when Michigan was, I think, going to be bad that year. Um, you wondered like if that was going to be like the last nail in the coffin for this rivalry, yeah. if it was going to be, be a loss that Michigan could never climb its way from out under, or at least not anytime soon. Um, and then they didn't have to play that game, which I think helped them. Uh, and then they flipped it in 21 and 22 and brought it back to this point. So I'm, I'm, I kind of got there last year when I was like, I can't believe that the rivalry has, has gotten back to this point, but this is uh, an elevated form of that for sure. Mike, can we get to grandma hate? Can we bring up with our grandma Ooh. hate quote? I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty good tease. Right at we'll be back with grandma hate <laughs> right after this. Um, Mike's gonna we're gonna pull this up for us in a second. Like, this is the kind of thing that trying to express like you can't help it. Can you control hatred? I don't know yeah. that I can control the hatred in my I don't life. think I don't think Luis can. Here, here comes here it comes. Be ready. Here she comes. Here she comes. Come on. Come on, Grant. Oh, this is Louise in the 419. I'm an old lady retired teacher from Lexington, the school of the very talented Stover family. Took your survey, but wanted to add that the hatred of Michigan, especially Harbaugh, is off the charts here. High anticipation for the game. Richland County has a huge booster presence. Feel confident of an OSU victory. We really appreciate you and our longtime followers and readers. Go Bucks, Louise! Like, Landis, this is... Harbaugh hatred off the charts. <laughs> Harbaugh hatred off the charts. We're going to have Louise on the show. Like, this is not normal. You don't have to hate the opponent, do you? You don't have to. And But none of this is fake. Mm-mm. This is real hate. And you can sometimes it's manufactured. So, and I'm not talking about this right. I'm talking about all rivalries. Like, oh, like, like, who oh, we really hate those guys. It's like, do you? I, do you think there's anything manufactured about this? Or do you think there are people like in Ohio State uniforms, oh, people wearing with Ohio State whistles around their neck who are like, no, we, we legitimately hate that person and hate that team? No, I think they're like the – I mean, I can't speak for the entire coaching staffs, but I guess I can just say that I, I would assume the coaching staffs more or less take on the feelings of their head coaches. And I don't think Ryan and Dave and Jim Harbaugh like each other very much. No. And, they, and they didn't before all of this. They definitely don't now. So like that, that is another layer to this. It's not merely a rivalry where – you know, it's like regional bragging rights and there's history and you want to be on the right side of it. And if you're not, it ruins your year. Like that's always been the case here. But now that I think there is actually real hatred. <laughs> yeah. Of, like human disdain for the other human on the side of the field, on the other side of the field. 
that didn't, doesn't always exist. And built so naturally, mm -hmm. right? Because so there's some dispute about is it during COVID stuff? Hey, like, what are we doing? And who's allowed to do what? And the alleged Ryan Day, we're going to hang 100 on Michigan, which is allegedly was said like in a team setting. He didn't, that's the, you have to distinguish between this. He didn't say it publicly. He didn't tweet it. He didn't put it on his Insta. Hey, did you check out Ryan Day on a Twitch? He said they're going to hang 100 on Michigan, right? Well, like I think, I, I actually, I actually think what is alleged to have happened there is they were on a Big Ten coaches call. Yeah. Jim, Jim Harbaugh said something, I think, about Ohio State. Yeah. I don't know. Having like assistant coaches do more in practice than they're supposed to or something like that. And then Ryan Day allegedly said to Jim Harbaugh, uh, I can't remember what the what the intro line was, but then it was yeah, we're going to hang a hundred on you. But then that was also later that day, we had a Zoom call with Justin Fields and I think Wyatt Davis, and both of them used the line "beat the brakes off of Michigan," which to me said like they were oh. just in a meeting where Ryan Day said they were going to beat the brakes off of Michigan. <laughs> okay, so that's legit, right? Yeah. There's a little argument, and I, we're going to beat the the heck out of you. Then. Michigan finally wins, and Jim Harbaugh says third base. Mm -hmm. And the third base, like, that's another level. That's that's real ratcheting of the hate, right? Yeah, yes, because that's that's it's personal attacks. It's you, you he undermined Ryan Day's entire coaching tenure with like yes. four words. I, I was in the Michigan news conference in Ann Arbor two years ago when he said that. I could not believe it. It was one of the like craziest things I've ever heard someone actually say that like you're willing to put that out there. That's such a personal thing. Not that Jim Harbaugh hasn't made personal attacks on people before. And, and now Michigan cheated as confirmed by the big 10, certainly motivated to cheat by trying to beat Ohio state. And now what you're saying with Michigan claiming and no proof of it, that Ohio state had something to do with initiating the investigation to Michigan. Like this is such a natural progression. I almost appreciate it. It's a study in hatred. Oh, that's my book. Oh, it's studying hatred. That could be like my memoir slash memories of the Ohio state, Michigan rivalry, mm -hmm. a study in hatred because it's so personal, natural and real. And so often Hate is fabricated or fake, and that's none of this here, which is why I don't – do these two programs and teams hate each other more than any two rivals? Because it's one of those things that's like the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, Bill, saw a documentary about it. And then there's this. There's like th – there's the personal part of it. So that – like this entwines – everything's entwined in this. Traditional hate and personal hate. I think these two teams hate each other more than any two teams in North America. Clip it. No, I think they do because I think there are there are probably fan bases where the animosity between the two gets close to this level, but I don't know that it actually like permeates to the team. Like certainly not in professional sports. Like that doesn't exist. I don't I don't think. Like they're guys making money to do a job. I don't know that they actually like I don't know that the Cowboys and Eagles like actually hate each other or like the Red Sox and Yankees actually hate each other. Their fans do. And that's that's enough to make it a, a powder keg every time those teams play. But this is everybody. <laughs> it's, yeah. not just, it's not just the fans. So I asked our texters earlier in the week, if you'll be a tech subscriber, 614-662-4509. That's 614-662-4509. If you do it now, you can get all the Michigan stuff for free. And then if Ohio State wins, you get all the Big Ten championship stuff mm -hmm. for free. And then you can quit. It's a two-week free trial. So I asked our texters like earlier in the week, if they're both 11-0, which they now both are, 
would this be the most anticipated Ohio State-Michigan game ever? 44% said yes. 27% said it's a toss-up between this and 06. 23% said still 06. So it's like almost two to one now versus 06. And then a couple people said, please leave me alone, Doug. I vote for this. I don't think I have any doubt. I have no doubt. I can't believe this is happening. Ohio State fans, can you believe this is this is what sports? I've been doing this for a long time. I think I've never been more excited for a sporting event that I've ever been a part of than this. Does that make sense? What about the 14 Sugar Bowl? So here now we get into the thing, which is the discussion that is the number one discussion among Ohio State fans when you're doing podcasts and YouTube shows 52 weeks a year mm-hmm. is like, would you rather go 1-11 and and have your win be over Michigan? Or would you rather, you know, win the national championship but have a Michigan loss like Ohio State could have had last year? And so I have always been on the side of, man, take the national championship and rub it in Michigan's face. And now you were just like, what about the national championship? And my thought was, well, that wasn't Michigan. So no, I don't it's know. different this year. I think it's different this year, right? Because the, the they lost two in a row, yeah. because of the cheating, because of what Ohio State feels like what was stolen. Don't you feel like Ohio State fans think something was stolen from them? Yes. You stole from us. What happens in Philly when people steal from you? <laughs> I don't think I should answer that. Yeah, uh, Jim Knowles is going to dispense a little <laughs> Philly justice, Landis style on Saturday, right? That's what they're trying to do. They yeah. stole the Heisman from C.J. Stroud. That's what Ohio State thinks, mm-hmm. right? Isn't it? They yeah. stole a national championship from Ohio State. Isn't that what they think? Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess in 21. Yeah. I guess that last year they still had their shot. They still got their shot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like laying that down as a baseline. This is the most anticipated version of the game ever. I also think we are in a historic stretch that we need to take a moment and pause and realize that we're in that stretch because sometimes, right? I mean, like sports writers love to ask coaches and players questions to reflect on. And they always say, Hey, we're in the middle of the season. We'll do that later. But like, you know, we're not drawing up game plans, so we can do it now. We have to reflect on this historic stretch of this rivalry. But let's talk about the teams. Let's talk about football, first of all. What did you think of how Ohio State played on Saturday? You were at Ohio Stadium. I was not. In terms of what they needed to do to get ready for Ann Arbor next Saturday. I, I mostly just thought they needed to look focused, and I, and I thought they did, especially on defense. Like they were – I think they were everything you wanted them to be on defense just did not let Minnesota get much of anything other than a 50-plus yard field goal for the second straight week that ruined a, a shutout. But um, it was all about stopping the run and getting them off the field, and, and I think Ohio State's defense did that while making some splash plays. So it was like it was nice to see them generate a little havoc, like getting to the backfield, tackles for loss, strip sack, Jordan Hancock's interception. Should have had another interception to hit Josh Proctor in the chest. So um, not only was it like business as usual for the defense, but actually – a little bit of a step forward in terms of generating some splash plays, splash plays, excuse me, which I think you'll want to see them do next week. And then on the offense, you know, like they ran it, they ran it fine, had the big long, had the long run from Travion Henderson, moved it the whole game, just couldn't execute in the red zone. So like, that's the one thing coming out of this game that I'm, I don't know if I'm worried about it. Cause I, I do think it's dangerous to take what happens in a game like that, especially the week before a monster game like the one they're going to play in a week and 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 
make too much of it because we are talking about college football still like there's week to week variance that is i think just explained by teenagers playing football or young adults playing football that you have to account for so i'm not saying that's definitely going to carry over to next week but maybe that's the one thing where you say to yourself like i wish ohio state would have looked a little more crisp on offense but otherwise i thought they moved the ball fine so i wonder about this right because 18 ohio state has to stop a two-point conversion against maryland the week before and then drop 62 on Michigan, win 62 39 the next week. Last year, Michigan's rolling. Blake Corum gets hurt in game 11 against Illinois. Michigan has to kick a game winning field goal in the final seconds. And then they come out and they're dropping bombs all over the Ohio State secondary. Like, I don't, I don't know that there's momentum from game 11 to game 12. Yes. I do think you can look for football things and vulnerabilities or things that are working or not working for each individual team. And we'll do that. Do you think there's momentum that would or would not carry over from game 11 into the rivalry game? No, I don't. I don't think there's something that could pop up sort of out of thin air in week 11 that would, that should worry you heading into week 12. If it's a continuation of something, that, that persists through week mm. 11, then yes, I think that's, that's worth considering. And there are some things there that I think are worth talking about on both sides here, but otherwise, no, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I don't know that you take a whole lot from week 11, as long as it was not a continuation of, of a problem that had been going on for, uh, prior to that. Because, you know, Michigan did not look great against yeah. Maryland. Now they, some of the things they did are what they do well, which is they forced a couple safeties. They made some big plays on defense. Mike, Mike Sanders still, man, he he comes up and makes plays for them. He does almost every time it feels like they need one. But Michigan coming into the game against Maryland, I did the I checked it earlier, just in terms of facing offenses and the passing yards per game of those offenses. In the first 10 games, I don't think Michigan faced a passing offense that was ranked higher than like 67. And like five of the 10, maybe six of the 10 were in the hundreds. They didn't face anybody who can throw the ball. Because even Penn State who was their toughest test, can't throw the ball. So they had not faced a single quarterback who had thrown for more than 199 yards against Michigan. So the fact that Talia Tonga-Vailova did get intercepted, but threw for 250 or whatever, they did move the ball a little bit. And I still like Ohio State, excuse me, Michigan secondary, Sandra Still, Will Johnson. You like the defensive line. I think they do have an ability, especially with the defensive tackles, to get after the passer. But I think it was a reminder, not that, not that Ohio State fans needed to be reminded that Michigan's schedule hasn't been very good, but specifically in terms of facing a team that can throw the ball. And Maryland, I think, was like is like 24th in the nation in passing yards per game. They're a very specific level of throwing the ball, which is eh, pretty good. Mm -hmm. Not great in a, in a way that matters, though. And Ohio State at its best, right, should be that. So do you? what would you take away from the idea that, you know, Michigan gave up a little something through the air on Saturday. I think it matters. Um, it's hard because, like, that, that that I guess goes against the rule that I just said, where it's like if it's a thing that pops up in one game, don't necessarily grab onto it and think it's going to carry through to, to the rivalry game. But you made the point that, that this was kind of the first time, really, they've been tested. And that it looked like this, I think, is a promising development for Ohio State. Um, Talia still made some, like, boneheaded decisions. He threw two picks. He didn't throw a yeah. touchdown in this game but there was from what i saw and I, i'll be honest i didn't i didn't watch every snap of this game i was like kind of catching what i could here and there as i was doing stuff pre-game um for the ohio state game but there were holes there that i thought talia was able to exploit and some explosiveness that maryland was able to achieve and if you think about 
what Ohio State has. It's an elevated version of what Maryland is as, as a passing offense. So, um, and I, I actually thought it a little bit too against Penn State. Like there were times where maybe Drew Aller missed some opportunities to get the ball down the field against Michigan's defense. So, I think it's a it's a real thing that I guess to say that Ohio State has some matchup advantages throwing the football, provided it can protect Kyle McCord. Okay. Hey, Mike, let's uh, I want to talk about humiliation a little bit because we were all uh, diving in on hatred and uh, mostly hatred. Mm. But um, we have a good quote from one of our texters who who like really wants to stick it to Michigan. This is Nick in the 440. I've always respected Michigan until the last month. I want to win this one more this one more than any game before this one. They took at least one Heisman from CJ. They made a good chunk of the fan base, including myself, have an existential crisis after last year. I want to ruin their generational team. I want all the cheating to be for nothing. If Ohio State gets up big, I want Day to keep scoring. I want total humiliation. Like that again is next level. I love the idea, Landis, of like existential crisis because, mm-hmm. of course, like this is this is how fans who love a team are. When your team loses your rivalry game, your life is a little bit worse for some period of time. It might be a lot bit worse for a, a short period of time, a little bit worse for a long period of time. I hope Michigan can't ruin someone's year as an Ohio State fan, but that makes it even more personal too. Like you cheated to make me mad and sad, which is like, so that there's the hate from inside the programs, but I would absolutely understand that as a fan. Yeah. Like, like I just thought we got beat, man. Like I'm mad at you, but I kind of probably have to respect you at least a little bit because you beat my team, but you cheated to do it. That's like unforgivable. There are people, this is, this is, I think, a line in the sand for the next generation of Ohio State fans. That there will be Ohio State fans in 2070 who will be like, no, I mean, Ohio State, Michigan, it's a big rival, but I don't know. Is it that big of a deal? And people who are alive now will be old then and will say, let me tell you about the sign stealing. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about the cheating. And then you can ask me again. If it's a big deal, right? Yeah, I think that's also like you want to talk existential crisis. I think Ryan oh. Day, I think Ryan Day's had one over the last two years because of because of what happened there. And actually, uh, it's probably I have a theory on that that maybe I should save for later. Nope. In the week. Okay, so I said this to Austin the other day. Even if it's not true that, and I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying even if it's not true. That Michigan gained a significant a significant advantage against Ohio State in the last two years because it cheated and stole signals. As long as Ryan Day believes that to be the case, I think he's like in a much better spot going into this game than he had. Then certainly he was last year. I think 2021, there was a little bit of bravado and like thinking you're a little untouchable. You went up there, the weather was bad, maybe some guys had the flu, you got pushed around a little bit. Uh last year, it was like Last year, watching it, it was like Michigan was a step ahead the whole time, right? And like yes. now in hindsight, it's like, oh. And I think like that has bothered Ryan Day since it happened. Um, and if like this stuff had not come out, and I, I don't know, 
explain some of that away, like I think Ryan Day would still be in his own head about it. And now I think there's almost something freeing about knowing that the way they were able to do that is because they had to skirt the rules to do so. And now if you think you're back on a level playing field as it, as it relates to that specific area, sign stealing, maybe that makes you more prone to kind of let it loose in the way we've been waiting Ryan Day to see let loose in this game for two years. Yeah, and I feel this is good. We can go till midnight on this. Okay. So two things happened to Ryan Day after the game last year. One is he felt like his family was being affected by the fact that Ohio State lost to Michigan, right? That that was personal. That like whatever that that my this is real now, right? And so that changes everything. It's one of those things. Like you do whatever you want to me, but if people are are doing something to my family, that's okay. That brings it home. And then the second thing, the idea of Michigan, I I probably th- I made Ryan Day question how good of a coach he was. Mm-hmm. What's wrong? Why can't I beat them? What am I doing wrong? Because I'll tell you what, I did a show the, the Monday after the game last year with a list of 10 things that Ohio State needs to do differently. I wanted him to paint the walls. I wanted him to hire Jim Tressel as a rivalry culture coach. I wanted him to hire James Laurinaitis, which they did. Like, I had all these plans because guess what? That's not good enough. And then it was just like, oh, no, they cheated. You have to paint the walls. <laughs> yeah. You questioned the very fiber of your existence. Am I good enough? Is this what I want to do with my life? Is this worth it? Should I put my family through this? It's because they cheated. Mm. So now, how do you think that pl- you think that plays how into this game? You think Ryan Day is freed and and focused by this? Like, uh, yeah. So, so, so try to explain the difference between sign stealing never happened. There's none of this, and we're going into Ohio State's trying to beat Michigan, so they don't lose three in a row. Versus what this is. How wide of a gulf do you think that is when it comes to the approach of the program and the approach of head coach Ryan Day? I think it's I think it's pretty wide, and I guess I, I wouldn't say I'm not saying that I definitely think that um, it's freeing for Ryan Day because the flip side of that is. They only beat us because they cheated, but what if they beat us now when like they're not doing it, right? So I think that could be in your head too and, and can foster some tightness. But I really think I th- I think this is going to have the opposite effect. I, I I do think after losing initially, Ryan Day did not wear that well for the entire 2022 season. I thought he had his team playing tight the entire year after that loss. Um, and really in every game they played. Now sometimes they still have class teams because they're so much better than them. But I thought that that air of um almost like walking on eggshells a little bit like that the, the strive for perfection um like sapping something out of that season because you just felt like you had to be perfect when you played michigan um really kind of took something away from ohio state and then when they got into that game um even in the moments where they felt like they did have the right call dialed up it still didn't work and and i guess there's you know we have some reasons for why that didn't happen i think if you have something now in your head that sort of explains all of that and it's not that like you're not a good coach who's not good enough to handle that situation and it's the other team going above and beyond to try to gain gain an advantage over you um in in a way to beat you then then i do think that leads you back to better process and preparation and and maybe avoiding some of that tightness that i thought didn't do ohio state any favors last year yeah i think that's well said um do you think right now 
I asked a question. I asked a question of the texters uh, after the game today, and I said, "Rate how prepared Ohio State is for the game. Health, attitude, talent, scheme, coaching. Are the Buckeyes as ready as they can be? Ten is a big yes. One is a big no. Okay. What do you think the texters said? What was their? They had to rate it from one to ten. Eight. Yeah, seven point seven three. What would you give them? Probably How about ready that. do you think they are? Yeah, I think it'd be about an eight. Yeah. Yeah. What what's holding you back from ten? Um, some lingering questions like about offensive line play against like elite defensive linemen and Kyle McCord. Okay. So let me ask you this. Let's let's separate that. I would say maybe I'm a nine, but let's separate it two things. Let's separate it into like focus, attitude, approach, intangibles. They are who they are. They have the mm-hmm. players they have. They can't trade for somebody. From that standpoint, what would you give them on a scale of one to ten? Probably like a nine. I think I, I really do feel like they're going to they're in a good place. I think Ryan Day has done a good job of making this year like a a build toward this game without without like a hyper fixation on it. Like I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I did I do feel like he's kind of struck a nice balance there with. Um, not ratching it all the way up to the level you need to be at for this week, like starting from week one and trying to carry that out through the entire season. I think there's been more of a, of an intentional slow, slow build toward this that leaves them in a better place from the intangible standpoint. So I do think there were times over the past two seasons where they, I mean, Kevin Wilson certainly expressed this after 21 going into 22 of like, Hey, we're not here to score points. Like who cares about how many points we score. Right. And that was, it was sort of like the opposite side of the toughness argument. It was almost like we're this high flying passing offense. And is it too easy? And so like, I don't love the things go bad, Oh, but let's look for the silver lining. It's like sometimes things Mm -hmm. go wrong and they just go wrong, but it hasn't been as easy this year. So you take what that for what it is. But I do think it in Ryan Day is always looking for ways to be tough, for ways to fight. I think going through a season where it's not as easy creates that opportunity that he wants. And so I think from that standpoint, I was saying this to, to some people the other day. I do feel like Ohio State's had to fight, and they're really only focused on what's going on on the field, right? And Michigan's kind of had it easy. And they have all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you can, I think people are, are trying to, or maybe they believe it, that they're going to spin being branded a cheater for all of America. Like spin that into like, what a great motivator. How can we get the team really focused? What if everybody thinks that we're cheaters? I guess you can try to think that's going to be Michigan against everybody. I think it's distracting and it's taking their coach off the sideline. So Like it's been easy and they have a million things going on versus they've had Ohio State's had to grind it out and they're kind of just focused. I'd rather have Ohio State's. I'd rather be Ohio State too. And I thought that showed up some on Saturday for Michigan in a little bit that I saw because I saw like Michigan got up big early in that game and I saw a lot of like, oh, Michigan's playing pissed off. Like this is an angry football team. I was like, I, I like I'm not watching the same game as you. I think Michigan looks kind of out of sorts and they were kind of gifted some points via um special teams play and you know, safeties and stuff like that and turnovers that I don't I don't know that I felt like Michigan like showed up in College Park ready to just steamroll Maryland and then accomplish that. Certainly it didn't play out that way in the end. 
And yeah, I agree. Like, like Ohio state played that way last year too, but I, th- I feel like I felt like Ohio state was distracted last year. Um, I think I do think that there's, yeah, there's more clarity for Ohio state in this game. I think than there is for Michigan. Yeah. Who's the pressure on, which is, that's like a yeah. skip Bayless question. And I don't, I actually don't like that question. Okay. How <laughs> like there's pressure on everybody. Everybody wants to win every game they play. Right. And everyone's gonna there are gonna be ramifications, gigantic ramifications for the loser because the winner has a chance to win the national championship. The loser is gonna have a tougher road, but beyond that, it's the rivalry and it's a huge deal every single time. So I don't know that I feel from that standpoint. How do I say this? Do you think there's always more pressure in this rivalry on the team that's been losing? Like, I did feel like as Michigan under Harbaugh was trying to get over the top, they got in their own way sometimes. I thought the revenge tour was the best example of that. Yes. Like, they tried to talk it before they walked it, and it hurt them, didn't help them. And it was like, man, they're so out of it. They actually have some pretty good players, but they haven't won in so long, they've lost their minds. So I do think sometimes the team that's lost can have that. But I don't think, again, I don't think Ohio State's lost so much. I don't think Ohio State's forgotten how to win this game. So I think the pressure is equal. Equal? Right? Yeah. I don't know. I, w- I would say equal, especially with, with recent developments. Like now there's there's suddenly pressure on Michigan to show that it can win, quote unquote, a clean game against Ohio State. Yes. Right? So th- that would have existed if this story hadn't come out or, or you know, Halloween weekend. I think everyone would be saying that this pressure is squarely on Ohio State in this game. And there's probably still more on Ohio State because I think you're right there. Inherently, there is more on the team that has lost most recently or the team that's trying to get out of a of a losing streak, especially when it starts to snowball on you the way it did against Michigan uh, prior to 2021. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm more closer. I'm closer to equal than I am. This is definitely on more Ohio State. So, so let me talk about. I think we have discussed this before, and I think I under, underestimated it at times coming into this year. Ryan Day did talk a decent amount last year. Ryan Day, when they're young, talks about them being young, mm-hmm. and a lot of guys on this current Ohio State team could have gone to the NFL and didn't. And the result of that is a they're just some dudes who have played a lot of football. Defensively, you think about this defensive line and all these third year guys, Tyleek Williams and Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimolowau and Mike Hall, if he's healthy, and then you throw in Ty Hamilton, you know, they're not fourth and fifth year guys necessarily, but they've played a lot of football. Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers and Cody Simon at linebacker have been here forever. Denzel Burke for a true junior has played a heck of a lot of football, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Proctor has been around forever. He's been up and down and seen it all. And then you sprinkle in some guys like Davis and Ignosin and Jordan Hancock and Sonny Styles who are a little bit newer to this. You think about what Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka have been through as third-year guys who have not yet beaten Michigan but have really put a lot of football out there. Cade Stover has been around the block. Travion Henderson has been up and down and through a lot of stuff. Donovan Jackson, Matthew Jones, a lot of those guys, they A, have played a lot of football, and B, have suffered together. Mm-hmm. They have together borne the burden of losing to Michigan the last two years. And I don't think they are worn down by that burden. I think they are pushed forward 
by that burden, but it is quite a collection. And sometimes I don't like leadership talk. It's like, I, I mean, it's great, but come on, you got to have talent. But I do feel like the, the veteran, the things that this team has been through, I think might matter on Saturday. Yeah, I th- I think so. It's it's funny because it, you mentioned the Michigan Revenge Tour stuff, right? And there's there's really two different ways, I guess, you can wear the scars of being in the position that Ohio State is in. And we saw the wrong way with 2018 Michigan and the Revenge Tour, and I think we saw the right way with 2021 Michigan. And and I think there's probably lessons there for Ohio State. And and I think this collection of Ohio State players that have been through this for the last two years are much more likely to react the way that that 2021 Michigan team did. And I can't remember off the top of my head like how many holdover starters there were. <clears throat> Excuse me, but there were at the very least there were young guys who had like risen up to positions of prominence on Michigan that year and then like pushed the team over the hump in this rivalry to get them the win they were so desperately seeking. And does the two years that Ohio State has lost quite match that the losses that, that Michigan had suffered up until that point? No, it's it's a much shorter losing streak. But I think the feelings are the same. This game means enough that I think losing once feels like you lost 10 years in a row. So um, I think this group with the – it's an interesting collection. It's like guys like Matthew Jones who've been here since 2018 who've seen both sides of it guys who have really only seen the losing side of it and and guys who were stepping up into this for the first time who maybe don't know any better. Um, I think that collection does position Ohio State well to come into this game with the right mindset and to use the losses the right way as opposed to the wrong way. I almost feel like maybe they used it the wrong way last year. Yeah, I think a little bit, yeah. I think maybe they got a little too focused on it. What was the move? Did guys? What did guys say about Michigan after the game today? Yeah, so we didn't talk to many. We, so we talked to um, Kyle McCord, Jack Sawyer, Jordan Hancock, and Cody Simon, and then Ryan Day and Jim Knowles. And there was not uh, – like they were asked about it, and they said, like, it's a great opportunity. It's a great rivalry. They're good. We're good. We've been looking forward to this. But I, I didn't sense a, a ton of, like, um, unchecked, like – aggression almost, which which i felt at points last year when people were talking about this game like maybe from from like ryan day was probably i don't want to say tightly wound but the most sort of like gritting his teeth and talking about michigan through it than anybody else was okay okay so let's talk about football now listen we're going to do a couple other shows we're going to do a million shows this week mm-hmm. we mapped it out here on uh the podcast youtube feed and podcast feed that we're looking at, I think, like three shows Monday, three shows Tuesday, three shows Wednesday, two shows Thursday, two shows Friday. So yes. Landis will grab uh, a turkey leg somewhere in there. <laughs> but, Bill, you and I will be back. We'll do Kings of the North on Monday morning where we're going to run through all the great games in the North this coming week. Of course, that includes Ohio State, Michigan. I think we're going to maybe draft the the players that are going to matter most in this game. And then mm-hmm. uh, on Tuesday, it should be up Tuesday evening, we'll do our huge Ohio State, Michigan breakdown on Kings of Columbus. We'll do passing offense, passing defense for both teams, rushing offense, rushing defense, both teams, Ryan Day versus Jim Harbaugh versus Sharon Moore and all the intangibles that matter here. So we're, we're not going to do all of that here right now. We want this to be more vibes and feelings and hate. But we want to do a little football. You said, okay, so so the idea of like intangibles, motivation, focus, not being too wound up about it, I, I do think they're in a good spot. The football, are they good enough to beat Michigan? Or where where are your biggest question marks? I do think they're good enough to beat Michigan, yes. Um, my biggest question marks are 
interior offensive line, and it's not even to say that the, oh, I said interior offensive line has been bad. It's just that Michigan's defensive tackles are really good. Like the one thing that did stand out to me about watching what I could see in the Michigan game today is like Kenneth Grant is a monster in the middle of Michigan's defensive line. I um, can't decide. Like you've been all over Mason Graham. Yeah, he's also but also really Chris good. Jenkins might be their best guy, but also now this Grant guy is your new favorite dude. Yeah, they're all, they're all really good. I I, I did say to Austin because Austin and I were going back and forth about this because he's he loves Kenneth Grant. And I've been pumping up Mason Graham. And I said, can we agree on one thing that's like the guy that got the most pub preseason, Chris Jenkins, is is the third of the three. And he's like, yeah, I think I agree with that. But but all three are good. And they have a fourth, too, is pretty good, too. So they're really deep there. I, I think it is comparable to what you see from some of the best SEC kind of defenses, with just like a bunch of big athletic dudes in the middle of that line that are hard to handle. So um, that is my biggest area of concern for Ohio State is how you deal with all of that. I don't find Michigan to be particularly dynamic on the edges. Like they're fine there, but I don't, I don't think they're great. Um, and then like, I like Ohio state's receivers against anybody. So, so it's, it really comes down to me. It's like, can you handle those guys in the middle? And I think Ohio state wins that game. That, that is, it's kind of like, that's how simply I break it down. Can I, uh, do you want to know the line has moved? Do you want to know what the line is now? Have you looked? I haven't looked. Uh, is it four and a half? So it was five and a half coming into today, mm-hmm. right? Before the games on Saturday. I'm looking at three and a half right now. Whoa. So a two-point move based on Michigan having its hands full for a chunk of the game at Maryland and Ohio State starting slow, but kind of taking care of business against Minnesota. Um, where where would you set this line? Probably that. A pick them on a neutral field, but Michigan's at home. So Yeah. I think that's about right. And again, I don't... When, it, when Michigan ran on the field in 2021 and the snow was coming down, and it's one of these things. I was like, I mean, I, I swear to God, I said, uh-oh, this does not feel good for Ohio State, right? So that place can be tough. Now, mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson is, is more of a problem than a stadium is. But I don't think it's a terrible thing. I think last year when stuff started to go wrong, I think being at home was bad for Ohio State, right? Yeah, Sometimes there was you an don't angst want in the building. Yeah. That the shoe... The shoe uh, can like smother you. Yeah. So like to you know, and, and guys, they, they talk about this all the time. Like you get your group together, you go. It's just us. Let's go do this. Like I do. I, I don't think that like I don't think Michigan being at home is like a huge advantage for Michigan. Is all I'm going to say about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this this is a part of the game that I find interesting. A texture was talking about home runs in this game. Right. So last year, obviously, Ohio State giving up the home run plays. Griffin says, I think the offense is scary, but the way we win this game is similar to how Michigan won last year. Just hit a couple home runs that can be the difference. I think Griffin gives up a, a brings up a good point. Let me ask you this. Based on both of these teams, is it possible or even likely that the home runs in this game are going to come from the two defenses? Oh. It's possible. I don't know that I'd say likely. Okay. Ohio, Ohio State's got, I think, too much offensive skill power for me to say that it's likely, but it's definitely possible. Yeah, because because this was one of those right. This is, I thought it was classic Ohio State on Saturday, right? Where it's like it's slow, it's slow, it's clunky, it's clunky, and then it's like defensive turn, like a turnover by the defense, score, score, and it's like boom, you're off to the races, right? Like yeah, it was that, seventy-five that. yard touchdown on one play turnover on one play. And I think a touchdown two plays later. Yeah. So like that kind of thing, like explosive offense and explosive defense in hand in hand. That's what they, they've done that. A mil- like that, that was the Penn state game mm-hmm. last year, right? Like that's what they do at their best. But Michigan is also capable of that. 
right? So I, I do think, and there's a difference between, like, last year the game, I, I don't know. Last year the game turned on defensive mistakes. I think this game could turn on defenses making two or three gigantic plays. I, I just think both of the – I think these are both playmaking defenses. When you think about – like Jordan Hancock is just that guy to me right yes. now. And JT Tuimoloau is that guy right now. And Tyleek Williams blows stuff up. And those Michigan defensive tackles blow stuff up. And I just think both of these defenses next week are going to put three or four guys on the field every snap who have a chance to blow up the play at any moment. And I find that intriguing. Yeah, it's not – I don't know – well, we haven't thought about Ohio State's defense that way in a couple of years, so maybe that's what's – Yeah. That's probably what's making it stand out more, I think, because Michigan has had, like, really good individual defensive players, even in the even in the years that were losing. Like, they had, like, Devin Bush and um, Chase Winovich was, like, a really good player. Like, they had good corners. Like, um, it's not out of the ordinary for Michigan to have defensive game breakers who might worry you coming into this game. Now, sometimes they, they did do stuff and sometimes they didn't, but they at least existed. Um, Ohio State hasn't had that for a couple of years. Um, they have it this year. They have, they have a couple of them this year. And I think you're seeing more emerging. Like, I think Jack Sawyer is becoming a little bit of a guy who you have to worry about now if you're an opposing offense. And Jordan Hancock gets better every week. And Sonny Styles is such a freak athletically that you have to worry about where he is on the field at all times. So, um, yeah, I think... If you were to if you were to line up or make a list, I guess maybe we can do that of like defensive players who you would consider game breakers and offensive players who you consider game breakers. There are probably more total defensive players, but I think Ohio State has far more offensive players than Michigan does. And Roman Wilson, Michigan's best receiver, went out after taking a hit on Saturday. Who knows what's that? What that's going to mean for him next week? Okay, let let's go to more what Griffin was talking about though. Ohio State home runs. How mm-hmm. likely do you think that is? You know, it's one of those things. Uh, Michigan played two high safeties. That kind of takes the deep passing game out of it. Okay, now you got to run the ball. Um, do you think Ohio State will have a handful of explosive offensive plays on Saturday? Yes. Yeah, I I, I think it's their ability to do that that makes me a slight Ohio State lean at the moment because M- Michigan has not been explosive all year. Correct, right. Um. Ohio State, if you look at its overall explosive numbers, is probably not what we're accustomed to, but there's still enough in every game that, that lets you know that it's still there. And we saw it today with the 75 yard touchdown run. Um, the, the, I guess the thing I would say about that is like you have to, especially for Kyle McCord, right, you have to be able to hit those plays when they are made available to you. Like he had a play today against Minnesota where Julian Fleming was streaking down the sideline wide open, and Kyle threw to the underneath guy, and it was like a 15 yard gain, and it was a first down, and that's great. But there was a touchdown there to be had. Like I don't think you can miss those opportunities against Michigan because um, I think they will present themselves. Because I think like Jesse Minter is going to get aggressive at times and send some blitzes Ohio State's way. And if Ohio State can handle them, there's going to be stuff to exploit. Um, so, and I think that I, I guess I would say like Ohio State's ability or inability to to handle that is what will determine the outcome of the game. Okay. I do want to get into Kyle McCord. I want to get into a little bit of the football, but I want to stop and I want to take another step back. And I want to talk about where we are historically with this rivalry. So the 10-year war is a is a beautiful little encapsulation of an era of the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. It begins with the arrival of Bo Schembechler at Michigan in 1969. It ends with the departure of Woody Hayes in 1978. In that period of time, Michigan wins five, Ohio State wins four, and there is one tie. 
Uh, over that time period, Ohio State is ranked in the top five going into the game six out of the ten years. Michigan is ranked in the top five going into the game eight out of the ten years. There are two years where they are both undefeated going in. They were both undefeated in 1970. They were both undefeated in uh, 1973. There are, well, I'll just read it to you. So here's the Ohio State losses and the Michigan losses going in to the the rivalry game in the 10-year war. Zero and two, zero and zero, three and zero, one and zero, zero and zero, one and zero, zero and zero, but Michigan had two ties. One and one, one and one, two and one. Michigan for six straight years didn't lose in the regular season other, you know, except going into the Ohio, like the, except in the Ohio state game mm. like that. So like, that's, that's how crazy that was. Right. And again, of course, in 68, it's like a top five matchup and it's the super softs and it's arguably the greatest Ohio state team ever. And that's like not part of the 10 year war. So, right. So that, that is unbelievable, right? Like it is, you think about that Landis. They mostly have zero or one loss going into every game. Michigan's in the top 10 in the, in the top five, not the top 10 in the top five, eight out of 10 years, Michigan's Ohio state, six out of 10 years. Like it's, it's mind blowing, right? Mm. It's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, it is. Um, And that's like, I I guess, well, it's, it's extra impressive, right? Because like not, not every game that people consider like of this magnitude in terms of rubbery is played in the last game of the regular season. Yeah. It's like if it's the Florida Georgia game, Oh, they don't, they don't have a loss. It's like, all right, well, it's game eight. (laughs) You got got four more to play for this one. No, it's crazy. Um, And that we've gotten back to that, I think is even crazier because I'm sure at the time it was happening, there were people saying like, this will never happen again. And guess what? It's happening again. Um, so it is happening again. So I believe it's not as clean. It's not as clean. Now, if you wanted to start with Harbaugh, you can. Mm. You can start in 15, but the 15 game's not great because that's like Ohio State defending national champs loses to Michigan State and then gets mad and then go- and then is an underdog <laughs> and goes to Ann Arbor and destroys Michigan. It's like, oh, there's Ohio State. Too late, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's something there that Michigan's favorite and Ohio State wins and it's Harbaugh's first game. And, like, I I guess you could start it there if you want, but it's not a great game. Like, Ohio State destroyed them, and I think you you watched that game and you thought, oh, like, well, well, now, great. Now, great. They get the Ohio State gets to go to the Fiesta Bowl or whatever and beat up Notre Dame, but, like, it was it was almost like a letdown that Ohio state played so well in that game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, I, I, cause we were, when Harbaugh got hired, we're like, okay, here we go. And, was, right. and then, then the game happened. I was like, Oh, I guess not. Yeah. So I, I don't want to start it in 15. So I want to start it in 16. Mm-hmm. So let's start it in 16. So if we go from 2016, this would be the eighth year of the new 10 year war. And the reason I like this kind of is because there was a tie in the 10-year war, and we have a COVID game in the 10-year war. So that's like our tie because you can't actually have a tie anymore. So that was 5-4-1 and one to Michigan. This one's 4-2 and a, and a nothing to Ohio State with this one yet to be played. But as I said before, in the 10-year war, ranked in the top five, Ohio State six, Michigan eight. So far in the new 10-year war, we're only eight years in, and one of them got wiped out. 
Ohio State five times in the top five, Michigan four times in the top five. And in the 10-year war, there were only two games where they were both undefeated going into the game. They were both undefeated last year. They're both undefeated this year. So mm-hmm. we are we have equaled the 10-year war and how many times they're both undefeated. Well, again, Michigan had like the two-tie thing, but I don't count the two ties. That's like a loss. That adds up to a loss. Yeah. You think about, here's the rankings going in. 2016, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3. 2017, Ohio State 8, Michigan unranked. 2018, Michigan 4, Ohio State 10. 2019, Ohio State 2, Michigan 10. Didn't play in 2020. 2021, Ohio State 2, Michigan 6. And now, last year and this year, 2 versus 3. Landis, this is like unbelievable. It is unbelievable how good these two programs are. And now let's run through the games. Okay? 16. Double overtime, Curtis Samuel. How good is that game? Best game I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Yeah. Okay. That's where we're starting the new 10-year war there. 2017. Connor Stallions hits JT Barrett with a camera. (laughs) Yeah. Dwayne Haskins has to finish the game out. Yeah. How good is that? And they were losing, right? Weren't they losing when Dwayne came in? Yeah. Yeah, right. How good is that? So good. 2018. Michigan's favored. Yeah. Revenge tour. Ohio State practically loses to Maryland the week before. And then Ohio State drops 62. But that was also like close at the half, right? Because like the Mario McCall like botched a kickoff and Michigan got yeah. like a late, late luck touchdown. And it was like, oh, here we go. This is the end. And then Ohio State's like, nope, here's mesh 12 times and yeah. uh, seven touchdowns. Yeah. So then 2019, Urban's gone. And by 18, by the way, is the end of Urban, right? Yep. So that's uh, extra stuff to that. 2019, here's Ryan Day. He's new. They're undefeated. What's going to happen? They go to Ann Arbor. Ohio State hasn't played anybody. And they drop, their offense drops another bomb on Michigan, right? So, like, it's not a close game, but, like, it is a meaningful game because it, it is the debut of a new coach in the game, right? Mm-hmm. So there's meaning to that game, right? Do you agree with that? Yeah, and you also had the Justin Fields coming out of the injury tent to throw a touchdown. Out of the tent! Yeah. Good football game, right? Memorable. Yeah. 2020, they don't play. 2021, how good's that game in 2021? Good, yeah, in the snow. Um, physical. And close, just kind of like last year, like close until the very end. Then it kind of got, kind of got out of hand. Yeah. And then last year, like the buildup, right? I mean, there's so much to it. It's two versus three. And then, you know, but like memorable, mm-hmm. Ohio State fans remember it. So like, this is like high level of hype, intrigue, and then I think the game's delivered. So here we are, again, it's the seventh game in the new 10-year war. It's the eighth year. And we are in like a heyday of the rivalry that I don't think, I, I think we haven't been in since Woody left. No, we ha- we haven't. And it's not it's it's what makes it interesting to me is like there's a, like we just ran through there's like a thing in every game like you can it's the it's the justin fields injury tent game it's the ryan day murdered don brown with mesh routes game like it's the double overtime game um it's the jt barrett camera game like and maybe from the michigan side they're called different things but it's like ohio state fans like there's there's reference points in each one of them that you know exactly what you're talking about you know exactly where you were when those moments happened and how they shaped uh the rivalry and then there's enough back and forth within it too to like truly make it what it is, right? If it was, if it was merely a bunch of close games, but Ohio State kept winning them all, like I don't think we we wouldn't think of it this way. But now that Michigan has has won a couple here the last two years, yeah, it feels like we're totally back in it. You're muted. 
this is going to be the fourth time, assuming something crazy doesn't happen with the rankings, that they're both going to be ranked in top three coming into the game. So in 2006, it was one versus two. In 2016, it was two versus three. In 2022, it was two versus three. And right now they are two and three in the playoff rankings. And there's no reason that that will change. I do think we have to give both of these programs a lot of credit for the last two years, getting through both of those regular seasons undefeated, even though Michigan had an easy schedule, like they didn't allow themselves to get tripped up and like to get to this. Right. That was such a huge part of this a year ago that like credit to both of those teams for getting us back to the point that everybody wanted to get back to. Because 2021, they both had a loss going in. Right. So then like because Ohio State lost to Oregon and and Michigan lost to Michigan State. So 2022 is even better. And they both got back again that this is undefeated back to back years, two versus three back to back years. Landis like is is absolutely history to make it. Yeah. Like and even if you want to poo poo Michigan schedule this year, which I certainly would. um, they had to go on the road in Happy Valley and win to get here, which is like not nothing. Um, and then Ohio State had a more difficult route, had to go to two Notre Dame, um, and then beat the same Penn State team in Columbus. And I'll, like I would throw like the Wisconsin game in there, and um, maybe that's it. But I think the Ohio State's road has been a little tougher. But yeah, give, give them both credit for getting here undefeated. And listen, if this is Harbaugh's last year at Michigan, and it might be. We'll end up calling this the nine-year war Mm -hmm. or some version of that. Harbaugh's tenure. Um, And and again, part of the tenure that was so great is that it was basically split. And and this is not split at the moment. Ohio State still has an edge. But but at least Michigan made it competitive. So let's get back on the field a little bit. I just want to make sure, like, I like noting history as it happens, right? Yes, yeah. It's just a, it's just a reminder, and it's and it's for all the fans who, not that Ohio State fans ever got tired of beating Michigan, they didn't. But if you came up in a, in a generation again that it was so dominant for Ohio State and then so dominant for Michigan, uh, that this is that we're here is what a rivalry is all about. Let's talk about um, weaknesses, and this was another idea brought up by one of the texters, and trying to figure out like where, you know these teams do have their weaknesses and what they can overcome. I guess if we're talking about weaknesses, Landis, would we be talking about offensive line issues for Ohio state? Is that where you'd start with weaknesses? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like maybe the question of is what we've seen from the running game here over the last four weeks, real or just merely beating up on bad teams, which I think is mostly an offensive line question. And then, yeah, pass protection stuff. Like, are you already going to be able to hold up when you're lining up against other dudes on the defensive line? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's uh, this. Let's get to the texture and what they brought up about this. This is from the six one four. This year's game will come down to which team can overcome their weaknesses. I do believe that the strongest unit with the fewest holes is the Buckeye defense. If Ohio State can play turnover free football and limit special teams gaffes, they'll be in good shape. Do you think Landis that? The Michigan passing game, and we'll get into J.J. McCarthy and Kyle McCord here a little a little bit more. This will lead us into that. Do you consider the Michigan passing game any bit of a weakness, considering they beat Penn State without throwing the pass in the second half, and they just certainly, certainly didn't throw the ball around the yard against Maryland? I don't like what I've seen from J.J. McCarthy kind of like since the Penn State game. So, so yeah, I think I would consider it a weakness. They, they've never really been all that explosive. Prior to the Penn State game, they were efficient and – um 
it was a more forward-facing part of their offense, I guess. They've really kind of reverted back to running the ball the last few weeks. So I, if you would have asked me four weeks ago, three weeks ago, I would have said it's a strength of Michigan's, but I think there was some smoke screens happening there with who Michigan played against. And now that we've seen Michigan play some better defenses, I think we kind of see that passing offense or what it really is, which is kind of what it was last year. Not all that threatening. Not all that. It's hard because I, I did think, I felt like, Listen, I do think when JJ is in rhythm and comfortable, he can rip throws over the middle of the field. And I felt like a lot of the time he was doing what they asked him to do, and they really weren't asking more of him than that. But I thought, I thought when they did ask him, he showed that he could do it. You think there is some part of this that they haven't asked him to do more because he may not be capable of more? Well, I thought, I thought them. Asking it, not asking to do a lot against Penn State was more a byproduct of their pass protection than it was necessarily JJ. Um, not that I thought he looked great, but I guess he was like seven of eight, right? It wasn't like he was zero of eight, and they decided to stop throwing the ball. I just think they were having a hard time blocking Chop Robinson, so they decided to not throw the ball anymore. Yeah. Um, against Maryland, I thought that there were times where JJ was comfortable in the pocket, like looking downfield trying to make a play, and then the decision he made with the ball to throw it in the coverage was a poor one. Like I, I, I think he only threw one pick today, but I. I in the little bit that I watched, I saw at least two other passes that should have been picked off, and I didn't watch the whole game, so I don't I don't know what else happened in that game. But it, it looked to me like the guy last year who couldn't make good decisions and couldn't see things all that great with time in the pocket. And maybe Michigan will do some stuff to get him outside of the pocket, do more play action passing against Ohio State to get him into more comfortable situations. But if you're telling me JJ is going to sit back there in the pocket and rip apart Ohio State's defense, like I don't think he's that guy. Washington beat Oregon State. You thought yeah. maybe there would be like a little bit of wiggle room potentially for a second Big Ten team in the playoff there, but Washington survives with a two-point win. Let's talk about Kyle McCord versus J.J. McCarthy because these guys are linked, and someone had an idea about if we had Heisman votes right now, then we both do. If you yeah. had Heisman vote and your only options were J.J. or Kyle, who would you pick? This is from John. I don't know. I might turn in a blank ballot. I, yeah. This is pass. <laughs> I mean, I I was I believed the JJ stuff early. I did. I thought I thought they they did what he asked him to do. His adjusted completion percentage was really high. You know, like a good touchdown to interception ratio. Had the really bad game against Bowling Green, but otherwise seemed to take care of the ball pretty well. And I thought the eye test was pretty good. That he could it he could make throws when asked, but. I think a version of this question beyond a Heisman vote is like, which quarterback do you trust more going into this game? And I think my answer here on Saturday night is I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I was thinking about that as I was watching Ohio State's game, having watched JJ a little more closely, you know, the last couple of weeks. Um, Cause I think that I have, uh, I can't remember if we had this conversation on one of our shows. Maybe somebody asked me and I said like, Prior to the Penn State game, I think it or the Michigan's Penn State game, I think it was probably like no doubt you take JJ, right? Just based on how the season had progressed. Yeah. Um, and then JJ has like plateaued a little bit, and like Kyle was really good against Michigan State. And like not not quite as good today, but I, I think it's more of a question now, certainly, than it was a couple weeks ago. And I would also answer with with I don't know. Um as it pertains to the Heisman question, I get like because I know People were saying this last week, like comparing Kyle and JJ's touchdown the interception numbers and like passing yards and all that stuff and all that. They're fairly similar aside from JJ having a, a decently better completion percentage than Kyle and being a more efficient passer. 
Kyle's weapons are way better than JJ's. Yeah. So like, I think if you want to have that argument, if I were to play devil's advocate, I would say, well, like Kyle McCord's numbers should be better based on who he's playing with. I mean, it's funny when we were talking about, when we did our big Kyle pod uh, a couple weeks ago. We were using as a comparison, JJ McCarthy last year for mm-hmm. Kyle, because it wasn't fair. It's like, well, well, JJ had made a step and that's the step that you could expect from Kyle in year two. But now, now we're comparing year one, Kyle versus year two, JJ. And they're the same recruiting class, yep. but you know, a whole year, of start of starting experience, it certainly matters there. How much I I think a year ago I can remember around this game talking about the idea of a year from now we're going to get Kyle McCord versus JJ McCarthy and we're going to get like this showdown mm-hmm. that both of them wanted to come to Ohio State and Ryan Day picked Kyle McCord and JJ McCarthy vowed to make Ohio State pay for that. Now he already beat him once. And actually, he's 2-0 against Ohio State since he got there. But it wasn't a, a C.J. Stroud, J.J. McCarthy comparison. Is is this interesting? Is it a referendum to some degree? Like what do, is Or are the two defenses in this game so good and that neither, pass it, not, neither quarterback is being asked, I don't think? to go win the game. Is this not as much of a McCord McCarthy showdown as maybe we thought it would be when they committed to their two schools? Yeah. I kind of like, if I, if I say to you, I don't, if this game comes down to either team having to put it in their hands of their quarterback to like, will them to a victory. I think that team loses. Like, I don't, I don't know that either Mm. of them, I don't know that either of them is ready for that. Um, now, like Kyle has Marv to throw to, right? So like I think Marv can pull Kyle along. Um, and Kyle can play good enough to help Ohio State win the game. But I think if it's like we need our guys to make plays after play after play after play, like kind of like what CJ Stroud was doing against Georgia last year. Like if it's like if it's like that kind of situation, I don't know that either quarterback's equipped to equipped to do that um right now. I would have thought JJ was tracking toward that like mid season. I don't think that anymore. And I think Kyle McCord is probably a year away from being the guy that's capable of doing that. So when when you think about then, well, if you're not asking the quarterback to win the game, what's left? Okay, there's the run game. So it's Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards versus Trevion Henderson and Chip Trainum. And then you think about defenses. Does that feel pretty even to yes. you? Because at some point, I think you would have thought, well, Michigan's run game is better. Certainly last year, you would have thought Mich- Michigan's run game was substantially better, even without Corum, because Ohio State's has been so had been so injured last year. Right now, are those are defense and run game is it close? I think it's pretty even. Yeah, I don't. I'm not impressed by Michigan's run game. You haven't um, been all year. They haven't run for over five yards of carry since like October seventh against uh, who they played at they Purdue maybe. I have it here. Minnesota. Excuse me. October seventh, they ran for five point eight yards against Minnesota. Uh, against Indiana, three point eight. Against Michigan State, three point five. Against uh, Purdue, three point two. Against Penn State, it was four point nine. And then today against Maryland, it was three point three. I just, it's not the same rushing attack. Um, they're good at finishing off drives with touchdowns by running the ball. Like Blake Horm has a boatload of touchdowns this year, but he's not as productive yardage wise as he, as he was last year. I don't think their offensive line is as good. And I don't think Donovan Edwards has gotten any better than he was last year. So um, I, yeah, I don't find it to be an impressive run game at all. I think it's kind of been average for most of the year. And Ohio State's season long numbers don't compare. Um, to Michigan's like they're ranked like they're Ohio State's like 90th in the country in rushing or something like that but I think you've seen upward trajectory from Ohio State's rushing attack that you have not seen from Michigan's 
So a texter brought this up about Kyle McCord, right? I mean, I think you make a good point of it. It it doesn't feel like it's going to be a quarterback showdown. By the way, I think it might be next year. If they both come back mm-hmm. and just like the changes that are going to happen defensively and, and the guys that are going to move on for both offenses, this might be McCord versus McCarthy a year from now. It could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. But right now, Mike, you can put it up. I think texters are, are wondering about like Kyle McCord's ability to do what needs to be done in this game. Jeff said, I think McCord might keep us from winning. I still believe that we can win if the D shines and we keep Michigan to 16 or under. It's hard to believe Kyle will step up in this game if he couldn't do better at home versus Minnesota. So Hmm. can you describe like what level of quarterback play do you think Ohio State needs to beat Michigan the way this matchup shapes up? And is Kyle McCord capable of whatever is required? I mean, I think we saw it against Notre Dame, right? He was he was not overall particularly good in that game, but he was excellent on third down and excellent in the two-minute drill when they needed him to be. Well, for the most part, except for the one throw. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think he's more than capable of getting to the level of play Ohio State needs from his quarterback to win this game. Yes. If you are – the thing was like a little bit of a bummer about today is like the thing we talked about all week. Like he played so well against Michigan State, you wanted to see him – build off of that against Minnesota, which also doesn't have a particularly good passing offense. And he was just a little off. Like he was behind a couple of times on a few throws or late um, forced a couple of balls into some windows, one that almost got picked off. Um, so like it wasn't crisp. Like I don't think he was bad, but it wasn't, it wasn't as crisp as he wanted to be based off of how well he played last year. So like I get, I get if that, you know, took some of the shine off of Kyle or, or dampened some of the momentum or some of the hope that you might've had for him going into the Michigan game, but I absolutely think that that he is capable of of reaching the minimum level of play required for Ohio State to win this game. What was your reaction in the press box when Kyle threw that ball over the middle to Emeka and there were two linebackers standing right there kind of fighting to decide who should pick it off and it looked like Marvin was kind of wide open because the corner covering him blitzed? Uh, So I was watching Emeka on that play because on – Earlier in that drive, there was a play where, like, on the snap, the safety that was lined up over Emeka just, like, sprinted to Marvin. It was the play where Kyle hit Emeka down the seam for, like, 26 yards. Mm-hmm. So I watched Emeka on that play because I thought the same thing might happen. And off the line, like, I, you know, we, we're in the press box. We have the bird's eye view. We call stuff out. <laughs> we're watching the game. And off the line, I said, Emeka's open. And then he wasn't. Oh. Yeah. So, like, oh, Philly vision. They got a little Philly yeah, vision. So there. I. Kyle. I also thought I saw the window there, and then like, the linebacker kind of came from the backside and kind of jumped in front of it. I didn't notice the corner blitzing until I saw the replay. So I guess I'm saying like I can't really criticize Kyle for that decision if I saw the play. And the first thing I thought also was that Mecca's open. Okay. Are you a Division One quarterback? I can't. No, 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 I'm not. But I also don't want to be hypocritical. So like it, it ended up being it ended up being a bad decision. Yeah. Um. But I understand why he threw that ball there because it looked like a Mecca had the leverage on the initial guy that was covering him. And then the second guy came over. So I will say, and we're going to wrap up some stuff. We, we have one more really good texture comment. And then we, I do have some survey results from today that I want to run through. So a year ago, I don't think we were, anybody was like panicked about the Ohio state secondary and giving up big plays going into Michigan. Right. Was that like front of mind? Like, holy moly. I think maybe you would have looked and said, well, maybe you wish the corner play was a little better across the board. But I, I, I would say I'm, I'm 
I can't quite remember, but I would say that maybe we thought that the quarter play was not particularly good, but it maybe wouldn't matter against Michigan because Michigan receivers weren't that good. I think that's fair. So I think we were a little surprised by the thing that really jumped up and bit Ohio State. So I, I, I will say right now, <laughs> I don't know what the thing – can I – don't even <laughs> – what could be the thing that would go wrong for Ohio State? Like the thing that you don't see coming feels like less likely because I just feel like there's more there's more high-level football players at multiple spots on the team, right? And then I think the things that you do see coming, right, would be Kyle has to Kyle McCord must play to a certain level. The offensive line must play to a certain level, especially the interior of the offensive line against those Michigan defensive tackles. And the special teams can't screw up. Yes. So those are like gigantic things, but I like everybody knows it. And I don't, to me, I don't think Ohio State fans should be going to sleep on Saturday night thinking the quarterback play is going to cost us this game. That's I don't think that's where Ohio State fans should be. And as iffy as the offensive line play has been from the jump, I, I don't know that Ohio State fans should be at the offensive line is going to lose us this game. I, I, I don't quite think it's that. And, you know, I mean, I told Parker Fleming – it feels like special teams is going to make a gigantic mistake in a big game at the most inopportune time. And he said he had had to take that inside and think about that. So I don't know. And then they cost them 30 yards on their first two punt returns. Yeah. So I don't know how to take that. I mean, what like, oh, Michigan, Michigan blocked a punt against Maryland on Saturday. Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's a tight game. Michigan blocked a punt because there was a miscommunication. Like, I don't even know what to do with that at this point. What should what should Ohio State fans be doing? They're not going to fire Parker Fleming between now and the Michigan game. So, like, what – just close your eyes and cross your fingers? I don't know. That's the one area where I don't know that there's anything that anybody can analyze to be like, well, you know, let me tell you this. Like, I just think, like, yeah, I don't know. That could go wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 probably the biggest area of worry for me because there's so many different ways it can go wrong, um, whether it's a blocked punt or even, like, stuff that happened today, which, like, I hadn't really considered, like – they had a hold on their one punt return that cost them 10 yards. And then on their second punt return, Jaden Bauer just like let the ball bounce at the 16-yard line and then it rolled to the three-yard line. And they're like, that drive's dead. What are you supposed to do? You're not yeah. – especially against Michigan's defense. Like you can't make decisions like that that make your offense start from inside its own five-yard line when you're playing a, a defense like Michigan. So um, – and I think like the decision-making from punt returners has been awful almost since the, the time I've been covering this team. Like Jalen Marshall was really good at it. I don't think they've been good at it since then. Um so like that worries me. It's like the little things that add up field position wise that I, th I think really matter in a game like this, um, short of penalties and um, block kicks and stuff like that. Like the decision to catch a ball or not catch a ball can be monumental in a game like this. And, and I still don't think they know what they're doing back there. I do think maybe Ohio State has higher ceilings and floors than Michigan on a few things and that Michigan is you know, as maybe not as good in the past game as they looked through the first 10 games, mm -hmm. but they're still going to grind some stuff out. And Ohio State is more explosive almost across the board. And, and Michigan has some explosive defensive guys, but so does Ohio State. Um, but I don't know that Michigan has as glaring of a weakness as Ohio State does in a couple areas. But I think Ohio State has a greater ability to, like, go win this thing. Yes. Right? Yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah. And a playmaker advantage, too. 
especially on offense, feels a little more stark with the rise of Travion Henderson. And also, like I thought, Emeka Ibuka looking a little more like himself today, too. Yeah, Emeka in the run game. They ran the the Notre Dame play to him. that didn't work, and it worked this time, right? Yeah, and they they, they made it the pop pass. So, he could, so Kyle McCord got those JT Barrett passing guards on, on those two plays. Nice. Yeah. All right, so let's run through the rest of the survey that I sent out to our tech subscribers uh, after the game Saturday. Again, if you want to be part of this, it'd be a fun week to join it, to try it out. It's Michigan week. 614-662-4509. You send a text to that number. You get a link back to sign up. You get it free for two weeks. Balance your feelings. This is worried versus excited. If you are all excited and not much worried, you're a 10. If you're all worried and not much excited, you're a one. If you're equally split, you're a five. So again, like towards the 10, that's more excited. Towards the one, that's more worried. Landis, where do you think the texters fell? Six. Five point. You're good at this. <laughs> 5.91. Um. There's no, and I do think there's two kinds of worry. There's like the worry, can Ohio State win this game? I don't think there should be a huge amount of worry there because you never know what's going to happen in football. But certainly I think Ohio State has what it, what it needs to have a good chance to win this game. The worry of like, there certainly is a chance that they lose. Absolutely, there's a chance. There's a chance that Ohio State plays well and loses. And the worry of my life walking around knowing Ohio State has lost to Michigan three straight years. The worry about that, that is a different worry. And you can't get rid of that because that's going to be possible up until kickoff. Yeah, that yeah, well, that's the that's the existential crisis, I guess, that the one yeah. texter was talking was talking about earlier. But in terms of like on the field, looking at matchups, um, I bet that there are a lot of Ohio State fans who feel much better about that stuff today than they felt maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. There's a question. Actually, we're getting to that a little bit. What best fits your anticipation for this game, and like your sort of history with Michigan? You, you, you know, you and the rivalry. So. This is among the most I have ever looked forward to Ohio State-Michigan. That got 39% of the vote. I always look forward to Ohio State-Michigan as much as possible, got 34%. So it's like, that's just like, what do you ask? It's Ohio State-Michigan. That's all I need to know. This is the most I have ever looked forward to Ohio State-Michigan, 25%. So 25%, this is it. 39%, this is one of the best. 34%, hey, man. I'm always like this, right? Mm. So that's, you know, still a quarter of the people today yeah. who are like, I'm as jacked as I've ever been. Where are you compared to where you were at the start of the season? This is how you think about the game. These were the choices, Landis. I believe more that Ohio State will win. I believe less that Ohio State would win. I was always worried and still am. I was always confident and still am. Okay. What do you think won? I believe more that Ohio State will win. What would you have answered? That. 65% I believe more. Only 4% I believe less. 25% always worried still am. 6% always confident still am. But like that, I think that's good progress for a fan base. Yeah. And I think that is not Pollyanna pie in the sky. I think that is based on football eyes. Yeah, I think it's I think it's sound analysis based off the season because like, I'm assuming like us, those people were like, yeah, Michigan looks really good. Let's wait until see, let's watch them play somebody, and then you get a great comparison when they play Penn State and like those games kind of play out similarly. I think depending on your point of view, you can tell yourself that Ohio State played better against Michigan than than 
or against Penn State, excuse me, than, than Michigan did. And then you see Michigan look a little more vulnerable against Maryland, kind of just like you did last year when you went to go up to Maryland before that game. I think I think all that helps. And I, and I right, I don't I don't think it's misplaced optimism. I think there there are sound football reasons to uh, believe more strongly that Ohio State can win this game than you would have a couple weeks ago. Uh, Mike, Mike, come in here for a second, just on audio, so we can talk to you for a second. So, Mike Urostowski, our producer. Uh, went through the texter responses after the game. Mike, just, you know, you pulled out the best ones for us to talk about specifically, but generally, what what vibe did you get reading as many as you did? More optimism, more worry, excitement? Where, where was the general consensus of the texters? Truthfully, I think it's right split down the middle. I mean, I think you had a lot of people, um, you know, that, that made comments about, you know, the offense and maybe being a problem and, and Kyle McCord. Um, but, you know, I think also, you know, we talked about there's a lot of confidence. There's a lot of, you know, the last two years almost don't mean anything now. You know, they cheated. So it's not like, you know, they beat us, but did they really beat us? So now we're extra confident and we're motivated to go in there. So I think the fans are feeling that uh, and it's entirely there, here's a this is a good one that just came in a little bit ago from Kendall. I want to bring this up to you guys. This is a good one. Uh, he said. Uh, Kendall says, if this game comes down to us scoring touchdowns in the red zone, why should we believe we will be successful? Michigan defense is one of the best in the country, and we have not been good in the red zone for the last three years. And you had problems today, too. I know at halftime, Ryan Day, uh, walking off the field in his halftime interview on the television, said that they weren't finishing drives. Now, that's something that they need to work on. And we know that's come up before, you know, in several years and several games before not finishing drives can hurt them. How, how big of a concern do you think this is Landis potentially the Ohio state in the red zone? Um, It's a concern. Sorry. I'm looking at some Michigan numbers here because you're like Michigan's numbers in the red zone are very good. Uh, they are number one in the country in red zone touchdown percentage this year. They've given up uh, only a touchdown touchdown on line 21% or came in today giving up a touchdown on 21% of their um, red zone trips. The next closest team is like 15 percentage points uh, worse than that. But I want to look at and like Ohio State's not great. Ohio State's 65th, 61, S- 61.9 coming in on touchdown percentage in the red zone. So like, yes, the, the the numbers are what the numbers are. They have played nothing but terrible offenses all Michigan, year. Right, Michigan. Right. Penn State last week was two for three. Maryland today was three for four. I think there's yeah. a little bit of fool's gold there. What do you think about like the Ohio State plan in the red zone at this point? Because again, this has been short yardage red zone. This is not completely gone away for sure. I do think certainly the explosiveness of Travion Henderson has changed the run game. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Ohio State on third and one, fourth and two, you know, first and goal from the six? I think they've had some better, better thought processes on short yardage in particular. Um, the thing that I think is still worrisome is their ability to throw it in the low red zone. So like inside the six yard line, they throw it down there a lot today. I think Kyle McCord ended up being like one of six throwing in the red zone. And the completion was the four yard slant to Marvin Harrison jr. Um, I thought that they were forcing the issue, throwing the ball down there a little bit against Minnesota. I think, I think Ohio State ended up scoring every time it was in the red zone, but it was only two touchdowns and two field goals. Um, And the drives that came up short, it was because of, inaccuracy is throwing the ball i don't 
Kyle was behind Cade Stover and Emeka on a couple of throws, but honestly, I, I don't know if they were completable windows anyway. Um, so I think part of that was like play calling and Ryan Day kind of said like, we thought we were going to get a different look than we got. So maybe they got crossed up a little bit with some of their calls. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I think you're, if you're a fan, you're right to be worried. Um, and I still think we probably need to see a little more to feel truly confident that they can finish off drives running the football. But with Travion playing the way he is, and um, some of the stuff they've done design-wise with like the motions and stuff, I think they're in a better place trying to finish off those drives than they were at the beginning of the season. And if you combine that with Michigan's overall red zone numbers being very good, but the last two weeks against the only two offenses with the pulse that's played like being not very good, um, I think you can convince yourself that Ohio State will be okay finishing drives. So I, I will say it again. I, C.J. Stroud, the last two years against Michigan – Threw for 394 and 349 yards, and Ohio State didn't win. And it's like, why didn't they win? Well, in 2021, their defense was non functional, and they were on an interim defensive coordinator that they got rid of at the end of the year, and nobody thought that defense was good enough. Mm-hmm. Last year, they played a linebacker at running back because they were literally on their fifth running back by the time they got to the Michigan game, right? And they, by the way, were without their best skill player the entire season. And then you throw in the fact that their defense gave up those big plays. But, like, there were primary holes blown in the side of the good ship Buckeye in both 21 and 22 going into the the Michigan game. Yeah, And it just does not feel like there's those holes are there. Whatever is wrong on the offensive line, and there it is not great, it is not to me where the defense was in 21 or where the running back was room was in 22 going into the Michigan game. And we already talked about special teams, but like they've had extraordinary quarterback play and great quarterback stats and throw the ball over the place. And it, and it didn't work. Not that it didn't work. They didn't win because other things fell short. Right. Um, I think a formula where like Kyle is good enough and, Travion Henderson and Cade Stover and Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. make six awesome plays between the four of them. And Jim Knowles and this defense seem very connected and prepared for this. I think Ohio State fans, their level of faith in this defense going in to the Michigan game, especially as it matches up against a Michigan team that is willing to grind it out, but Ohio State's going to make you grind it out. It's like, okay. I yeah. think the level of faith should like be like a nine and a half out of ten for Ohio State fans. In the defense specifically. In the defense specifically. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. They've and I, I think I'm I am that confident in Ohio State's defense. And, and what makes me so confident is that they've been able to sustain this level of success against a bunch of different looks. Um it's worked out that way on the schedule that they got to see like triple option football, smash mouth stuff with like Rutgers and Minnesota you know, tempo passing attack with Western Kentucky, got to see Maryland trying to throw the ball on them. Like they've, they've been tested. I think in every way you can be tested Um, real physical, like big burly offensive line against Notre Dame. Like they've seen that before. They won't be seeing that for the first time when they play Michigan. Um, So yeah, I just, I just think they're, they're well-prepared and confident playing in the scheme. So I would, I would be at at least a nine with this defense. Can, can we also add in that I thought, and I'm sure you thought too, there were plays where Cody Simon and Steel Chambers were penetrating and making plays in the backfield on Saturday, and that was without mm-hmm. Tommy Eichenberg, who is definitely going to be back next week. I, Cody Simon 
has been quite a good football player at times for what they ask him to do. It just felt like a pretty, like the linebackers made some plays and they should be even healthier and able to make more next week. I, th- I felt like that was a good sign. What did, did you get anything from the linebackers today? No, I thought they played well. Um, Cody Simon talked after the game a little bit. I mean, he, I think he thought he, he played well and in a spot playing an entire game for Tommy. I'm interested, like, to, like Ryan Day said, he had to have a lot of conversations with Tommy Eckenberg about the value of not playing today and like late night text messages and then more conversation today about like, we need you for Michigan. This is why you're not playing today. And eventually Tommy came around to that idea that it made sense, but that could also leave you to um, overexert yourself a little bit, I guess against Michigan, like want to want to make up for lost time so badly that maybe you put yourself in bad spots. So Tommy will have to combat that against Michigan. But yeah, I think you wanted to see the linebackers have a good showing. It's a team that was going to run the ball a lot. And I, and I thought they did. Um, can I make one? We'll just go back to the red zone thing real quick. Cause I, yeah. I didn't say this and I, th- I think it's probably worth mentioning. Um, Maryland went three for four today, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. All three touchdowns were one yard runs by its backup quarterback. Who's more of a run threat than Telly, like a, like a burlier, stronger run threat than Telly is. Talking Keen Holtz package. What are you talking here? Devin Brown. Would be ready. I don't know. He didn't play today. Lincoln Keenholz came in. Um, Devin Brown was listed as a game time decision. I did notice that the brace on his, I think it's his right ankle, was far less bulky than it had been. So, and I thought this like moving around, he looked a little better, like doing some pregame warm up stuff. So I, I don't know if they're if like today was a situation where they felt like Devin could have played and they didn't want to do it today because they felt they needed him next week, or if he truly wasn't ready to play today. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I think if he is even like 80% or 70%, they'll probably try him next week in the red zone package. We're going to draft the the 10 players that will have the biggest impact on this yeah. game on Kings of the North on Monday. You drafting Devin Brown? Thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm taking him first then. I'm just... <laughs> um, okay. All right. Uh, let's finish up with a couple more thoughts from texters that are like showing us how much this game matters there we'll start mike with the one about um someone cutting off a body part i can't remember what part of the uh let me see oh pinky there's a pinky uh josh i would literally cut off my pinky without any anesthesia for of any kind to guarantee a win next saturday for this team that would be so we want do we want people we want people to watch this show right yes What if we had Josh come on, we cut off his finger on Tuesday without any anesthesia, and then if Ohio State loses, we'll sew it back on on the next show. <laughs> the next show. But if yeah. Ohio State wins, we keep the finger, and I wear it around my neck as a necklace. Like uh, Sam Hartman, where he wears his, he wears his rib around his necklace, right? Around his neck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who's that? That's Josh's finger. It's Josh's finger. It's worth wow. it. Ohio State won. Yeah. Um, Mike, do we have any other people who are willing to cut off body parts for Ohio State to win? Uh, no, no one wants to cut off their body parts, okay. especially without any pain medication. But I mean, there are fans are are very desperate. They are very angry. I mean, there's a lot of fans, um, you know, that have talked about the environment, and you know, hopefully, it's not going to be you know an unsafe environment in terms of the fans in the stands. And because, oh. like you said, that there is real hatred. You know what I mean? There is real hatred now, and normally. You know, when rivalries play, you know, you're, you're just hatred on the field for the football team. But now there's, like you said, there's personal shots have been taken 
Um, you know, people's feelings have been hurt more than just football. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's just there's a lot of extremes out there that, you know, with us going to the game, too. I mean, you you know, you see it, you know what I mean? And you can feel it. Austin and I were talking to one of the security guards down on the field before the game today, and he said, if you guys need me to come to Ann Arbor to escort you around, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think so. Let's remember that uh, the Michigan fans didn't steal any signs. Right. So and and the Ohio State fans didn't do anything. So I, I hope Michigan fans and Ohio State fans can interact in a in a reasonable fashion in Ann Arbor uh, on Saturday. We will all be there. Whole crew. Mike's going along, too. So me, Landis, Mike, Berm, Austin, we're all um, sleeping at Berm's house in a, like a big five foot high bunk bed, five mm-hmm. wide. Uh, I, I do want to say this, and I do think this has happened with the sign stealing when Ohio state lost to Michigan last year there, the overriding emotion was anger. And I do think it separated the fans from the program. It separated the fans from the team. And I think the team felt like the fans have turned on us. They don't believe in us anymore. Like we'll go out and do this on our own. Right. And that's just not a great place for any fan base to be with their team. I'm not saying the fans were wrong. I'm not saying the players or coaches or anybody who felt that were wrong to feel that way. But Landis, do you think that happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's just not fun. The number one thing that we want to do here is help fans love their team and enjoy their team. Doesn't mean sometimes you love to be mad at your team, but to really feel like there's disconnect. Um, and again, I understand why it happened. The sign stealing, I think, has brought everybody back together. Like, I don't think, yeah. I think this fan base and this program are pretty tight at the moment. And so I would say, if you're an Ohio State fan, to enjoy your Michigan week, to enjoy your Thanksgiving week, think about where you were a year ago after that loss. A lot of people were soothed to some degree by the way Ohio State played against Georgia, even in defeat. Then you came out, you just watched this team win 11 straight games in the regular season, including against some very highly ranked teams to get here and create this opportunity while all this stuff has happened at Michigan. So there's no guarantees. Michigan's still good at football, but Ohio State's also good at football. I feel like they've mostly done what they needed to do to give themselves an opportunity So I know you're going to be worried this week, but embrace this. Have fun. This is why you are a fan. This is why we do this for our jobs. This is great. You will be telling stories about this. Maybe keep a little diary. How you feel today. Make little notes to yourself. Try to remember the feeling. If you're not going to enjoy this week of being a sports fan, then... Like, don't maybe like being a sports fan isn't worth it. So I know that Ohio State fans land us, of course. They're not going to be relaxed, but I really hope the excitement and the anticipation and the understanding of what is happening. You are in the midst of something. And yeah, it's great for your team to beat your rival 37 to 7. And it's great for your team to beat your rival every year for 20 years. But it doesn't give you this feeling in your in your gut, in mm. your heart, in your soul, right? It doesn't. It doesn't. So don't let this feeling only be a negative feeling. Harness the power of this. Harness the excitement. Talk to your friends about it. Be worried together. But be more excited. Because I, I, this should not be, this is not panic mode. And I don't think anybody around Ohio State, coach, player, fan, is in panic mode. Like, oh, well, oh, well. Yep. 
It's going to take a miracle. Nobody's thinking that. So enjoy this week, man, right? Everybody's yeah. got fun. Yeah, no, yeah, I think I think you're right. This is this is why you are a fan. You should enjoy this week. I I do th- if you're going like wear a helmet. Yeah, wear a helmet. <laughs> Did but, I mean, can we like Berm? Berm's a photographer. He's going to be there. He was like, "Here, I bought my gear." Kind of kind of looked like what a knight would wear. I mean, it wasn't but does, a like, windbreaker. Does, a doesn't helmet. like we talked about the the hatred here. And I think I know I haven't been to every stadium in college football, but of the ones that I've been to, Michigan Stadium I think is most constructed in a way to like heighten that hatred. <laughs> like the one tunnel, the way that like Ohio State has to come into the stadium, like there's not really much separating the fans who want to be near where Ohio State parks its buses and Ohio State as it walks into the stadium. And the stands are like kind of right on top of the field. Like it is it's I wish it was designed a little differently for this particular game. Yeah. Any stadium, I love stadiums and arenas that are like gladiator pits that are walk down stadiums. Yeah. That adds to that feeling as well. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the guy was building the Michigan Stadium. He's like, what do you think of our design? It's like, I would like to heighten the hate. More hate. Uh well, we had two tunnels, so the teams could uh one tunnel, it is excellent. <laughs> Make the bus drive right into the field so the fans can throw garbage on them. <laughs> Heighten the hate. So here's the thing. Not all Michigan fans are Jim Harbaugh. So I would understand if an Ohio State fan saw Jim Harbaugh, I mean, maybe you'd yell at that guy. But not every Michigan fan is Jim Harbaugh. So you don't have to get in a fight with every Michigan fan you see. And not every Ohio State fan is Ryan Day or whoever Michigan fans are hating right now. So you don't – you're just – they just love their team just like you do. So don't – man, do I really believe this? I do love hate. Hate is my favorite emotion. So maybe that's why I love this. It's so strong. It's so visceral. But you've got to control it. It's just like anything. It always boggles my mind when people, like, get so excited for an event and then, like, you pregame and then you get so drunk that, like, you can't even go to the event or you enjoy the event. It's like, well, why did you do that? Don't pregame the hate so much that you can't enjoy it just like anything hate and moderation right the, yes yeah does the because i've thought that moving this game to the saturday after thanksgiving like like sap some of the build-up out of it but it might help this year right like get around your family hate together around the around oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah around the turkey yeah hate michigan then hate your in-laws then hate michigan again yeah. Right. Right. Perfect. Yeah, it's great. And eat some stuff. I, I think some people might not be able to eat as much turkey from the comments that they said that they're going to have this feeling of nervousness and in, in in their pit all week long. So Thanksgiving might okay. be ruined for them. Here's I do think this is the correct order of emotion for Ohio State fans, and and on this show we're worried about an Ohio State audience. I think it should be excitement, then hate, then worry. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. When do you start? The, you start the hate on Black Friday, or? Well, I mean, I always have like a low simmer of hate. Yeah, kind after of going after on. after dessert on Thursday. And me, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, at dessert, yeah, 
ring the hate bell. All right, so this is the last one from the uh, the texters. Rate your confidence in an Ohio State win over Michigan. Ten is I'm sure they'll win. One is I'm sure they'll lose. Landis, what do you think the rating was? Six point eight. You are so good at this. Six point five. <laughs> I'm a little surprised. It's I I think there's a lot of football in that, right? I mean, there's an acknowledgement. Uh, you have to respect an opponent this good. So I'm glad that Ohio State fans are doing that because there's no reason yeah. to come in here and be like, we're just going to kick their butt. They stink. They don't stink. They don't. They don't. No, they, they maybe the players. Yeah. They aren't maybe as dominant as they looked early in the year. But uh, they're a good football team, but so is Ohio State. And I do think, and we have two more shows for you and I to break this down. I think if Ohio State plays its best, it wins. So we'll break that down more in two more shows. Or you can just take that, put it in your pocket, and go eat some turkey. That's right. Like, I don't need to listen to these guys anymore. That's good. <laughs> just, cl- just clip that 10 seconds of Doug yeah. saying that and me going, yep. <laughs> they want an hour 45? <laughs> Boy, the whole show down to 10 seconds? I am consuming a beverage, which I only consume a beverage like twice a year. So um, that's how special this event was, to just nice. vibe about the game. When when does think, he, when's the other occasion that you typically consume a beverage beverage? I don't know. I just feel like maybe it's not the this isn't the only time. In Epcot? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't so he, I I think people know this. And if you're only worried about football, you can leave now. I'm just gonna talk about beer for five minutes. So you know, do you know the story? Like I've told you this, like I've probably had eight ounces of beer my entire life. Uh I don't I, I know that you did not drink beer. I don't know that you've told me the the origin story of why. So we're on a brewery tour when I was a kid. And um, the overwhelming smell of the hops of the beer or whatever just like ingrained itself in me. And I was like, mm. this is terrible. And it it eradicated any desire I've ever had to taste beer. And the only time really that I ever drank beer was when I was like rushing my fraternity and we were playing beer pong. And I was like, well, like the guy hit a ping pong ball in my red cup. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and I was like, this is, and that's it. So I'm drinking, not that. Um, but I, far, I, I wonder like how many adult Americans there are that, that like do not consume beer at all. I wonder if, if we, we can talk about that with our texters, if you want to let us know, cause I'm like a zero. Yeah. It's no an beer. acquired taste. I get that. Yeah. Like don't everybody says that it's an acquired taste and I just never fought through to acquire it. Yeah, yeah. I acquired it uh, quickly and easily. <laughs> I acquired it in the summer between third and fourth grade on the streets of Philadelphia. Uh, young Philly Billy. Like, it was more like seventh grade, but yeah. Okay. He said, chug. <laughs> All right. I think maybe you've drank, you've d- taken my share. You could have my share. Yeah, I've, like had two, I've had two beers, one for me, one for you. No, but I mean in your life. Like, you Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kegs I've, and kegs. I've certainly done that. You, you, you know. can account for me. Yeah. We'll just make that. So what you're watching, what you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're thinking. Oh, it rhymes. We can do that. I like it. Yeah. All right. We appreciate you guys uh, being here with us late on a Saturday night. Uh, uh, we'll have more shows this week. So just keep it locked on the podcast YouTube channel, on the podcast podcast feed. We will be with you on Kings of the North. On Monday, we certainly would invite you to subscribe to our separate Kings of the North YouTube feed where we will continue to add more and more content there every now and then. If it's something going on in Northern football, that's a special it's one-off. Landis and I will only be there. So if you're subscribed there, you won't miss us. We talked about the Jim Harbaugh suspension there. We talked about the Brian Ferentz firing there. So, you know, we're bringing the Ohio State stuff. 
uh, on the podcast YouTube channel. But, you know, Kings of the North, we want you to there with us as well. So thanks to everybody who's been watching live on YouTube. Thanks to our texters who always help drive this show. Again, if you want to be a text subscriber, 614-662-4509. I stayed home today and then I went to one of my daughter's uh, theater performances and you were grinding it out. Uh, all day at the shoe and then coming home and doing this late night show. So thanks for the long day, Landis. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's never a chore to talk about football. We're very blessed to do what we do. So I'm happy to do it. Clip that, clip that out. Never a chore to talk about football. All right. We'll see you guys soon. And then we will be doing a post game show. Bang. As soon as we can live from Ann Arbor after Ohio state, Michigan, and we'll go as long on that as we have to go. Mm-hmm. You know I'm never scared to go long, Landis. We might be walking out of the stadium talking, like still doing the postgame show after they kick us out of there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll see you guys next week. We'll see you all this week. And uh, we're so grateful that you allow us to be part of your Ohio State fandom. For Mike Urostowski, our great producer, who helps this whole thing happen, he is Bill Landis. I am Doug Maurice, and that was the late night launch for the week of Ohio State-Michigan coverage right here on the podcast.